Fire in the Mountain, Chapter 10 It was almost a month before Ida returned with letters for Shoto, and a few small trinkets from Natsuo and Fuyumi. Enji's letter was bare and stilted, demanding Shoto conjure up more information before Enji would reply. But he did indicate that some strange attacks had been happening in his territory, too. Shoto and Katsuki wrote back immediately, giving Enji a few hints more, and sent the letter back with the men who had been escorting Ida. This reminds me, Shoto said suddenly as they watched the men disappear back through the front gate. Katsuki turned and looked at him, and Shoto gave him a slightly sheepish version of his typical deadpan stare. I have gifts I was supposed to give you. I forgot. <laughs> Liar. Kotsky chuckled. <laughs> you just hated me. Shoto swallowed. That was true. What was stranger, though, was how unnerved Shoto was to have ever really even felt that way. Once he'd stopped assuming Kotsky was just looking for another reason to send him back, or kill him, or flex some kingly power over him, Shoto had found it relatively easy to tolerate Kotsky's somewhat mercurial moods. He was left, less tempted to goad Kotsky into a rage when he knew no amount of goading could really push Kotsky the way Shoto had assumed he could be pushed. Shoto pulled his fur tighter around his shoulders without saying anything. Kotsky saw. Cold Flatlander? Shoto gave Kotsky a dead-eyed stare. There was a thick layer of snow on the ground, and they weren't sure the letter carriers would actually be able to make it back to the castle before winter was over. Shoto was surprised they'd been able to return this time. But Kotsky said they were used to this much snow on the ground. That amazed Shoto a little because he wasn't sure he'd ever seen this much snow in his whole life. Ida had arrived back looking chilled and harried and had immediately rushed off for a warm bath. Shoto thought he had the right of it. Koski smirked at him and then shrugged before he wordlessly turned back to go inside, obviously expecting Shoto to follow. I'll be right there, Shoto called. He was cold, but he wanted a minute, just to see everything, just to... You want to watch the sunset, princess? Shoto's cold kiss cheeks burned suddenly, and he said a little feebly, My room doesn't have much of a view. His room looked upon a sheer wall of mountain, with just a sliver of what was beyond that visible. But here, on Koski's platform, Shoto could see so far. It amazed him a little that Koski held power over all of this. The snow had smoothed the mountains out and painted all the trees with caps of white. It all looked soft, edges worn down by chill. 
It was more dangerous than it was than it ever was in the summer, but it looked so much gentler by comparison. The orange sun was lighting up the pearlescent sheen of the water that had melted over the course of the day. It would freeze into ice overnight, make everything slick, make it crack under their feet. Kotsky came back to stand beside him and didn't say anything. A branch cracked and snow fell in a soft thump somewhere nearby. There was a sporadic call of a bird. A few moments later, an owl. Things were quieter than usual, though. The snow did that. Shoto had never known before how snow deadened every sound. Koski mumbled, Dinner soon. And then he walked away, leaving Shoto to watch the last orange rays disappear. Shoto ran his left hand over the red beaded bracelets he had on his right wrist. Gifts from Kiri. Easier to wear about than the necklace Kiri had given him, which felt overindulgent for a day-to-day wear. Shoto liked the bracelets, had taken to fiddling with them when he was lost in thought. A plume of smoke caught his attention just as he heard Kotsky pull the door inside open. And then a flash of light. Shoto furrowed his brows. Kotsky? The door slid shut and Kotsky didn't come back out. Shoto took a step forward, trying to pinpoint where the light had come from. And there another flash then. A flare of blue and more smoke. Shoto understood instantly, and before another conscious thought entered his head, he was on the ground, flying through the forest far too quickly to be safe, slingshotting around trees, and... Shoto found him in the middle of a patch of melted snow and scorched trees, a dead rabbit in his hand. He stared at it curiously, like he wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And then he looked up when Shoto slid to a stop in front of him. Shoto stared at him, chest tight and horrified. But still he forced himself to look. He needed to see. His nightmares were making all worse. And he needed to see. Dobby looked at the rabbit in his hand and then held it out to Shoto grinning, smiling, and then he laughed. Shoto's stomach lurched. (laughs) I'm not supposed to be here, he said. He brought one finger to his lips and hissed, Shh, you're not supposed to be anywhere. Shoto answered, I know you. Yes. Shoto answered, breath too hot in his throat. How? You don't know? Sometimes I do, he said. 
He looked down at the dead, scorched rub in his hands and then and dropped it before he wiped his hands on his pants. Are you a dream? No, Shoto answered. He couldn't tell if the cold was getting to Dobby or not, but his feet were bare and his clothes were thin and loose. He looked like he'd been sleeping and had just gotten up and wandered outside. I dreamed you kept saying my name, and you wouldn't let me sleep. Dobby spat suddenly venomous, and Shoto had to dart sideways to avoid a petulant burst of fire that was so hot it burned the air in his lungs. And it wasn't even my name! What is your name? Dobby. No. Yes! Dobby said sharply, with another finger of flame spraying out from his palm. That's not who you are! Shota heard himself hiss, dodging the fire again. That's not who you were! Who we are and who we were are pretty fucking different things, kid! Dobby snapped, suddenly sounding lucid and not at all like he had seconds before. What's my name? Shoto demanded, sidestepping more fire. How about pain in my ass? Shoto waved his hand and sent out fire to soak up Dobby's taunting attacks. What's my name? You know it. You know who I am. I know you do. You shouldn't! Dobby's voice was strained with effort and a massive wall of blue flame suddenly roared at Shoto. Shoto slid away from it, ice and snow making a perfect pathway for him to dart down. Be here! You weren't supposed to be here! What are you doing? Tell me what Tomer is planning! How did you get away? Why did he let you go? Shoto paused and almost took a blast of fire to the chest for his shock. He shielded himself with ice at the last second and then finally froze the ground under Dobby's feet, hoping the ice would slow him down more than the snow did. His feet were bare. Didn't they hurt? He sent me to make peace, Shoto protested. Liar, liar, liar! Tell me why you're here, Shoto pleaded. He had to keep moving, to keep talking. He was afraid if he stopped to think about any of this, he'd panic. He couldn't let that happen again. Why'd he bring you back? Dobby drew up short and grinned and very simply said, He loves me. And Shoto thought he might be sick again. He, he saved me, Dobby said. He tried to burn me all up and he saved me. He did burn you. 
Shoto hissed, and then he had an idea. He took a step to the side, and when Dobby turned, too, he kept himself facing Shoto. Shoto created a wall of ice behind him, locked between two trees. I watched him do it. You died! No. <laughs> no. Tomura saved me. You're a liar. I'm not. I watched it happen. Another step. Another twist from Dobby. Another wall of ice. If he could just keep him here. What's your name? Ugh, my head hurts, Dobby muttered. What's my name? Shoto demanded. I know you know who I am. I know you do. I... <laughs> he... He did it, you know. <laughs> did what? <laughs> all those cracks in the ice. All that blood. And he just... Laughed. Shoto said. Toya. Dobby just stared at him like the name didn't mean a damn thing. Why'd you do it? Shoto heard himself say quietly as his voice cracked. How could you? It happened too fast. One second Shoto was standing there and he had a plan. He was in control and his voice barely wavered and the next there was just fire everywhere. She loved you! Dobby shook his head, little flames springing to life all over his body, burning his clothes and melting the snow. And he looked at Shoto's fire and then looked around, face going terrified all of a sudden. No, 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 no! Dobby hissed, turning and peering through the trees. You liar! Where are you? Where? Liar! Liar murderer! I know what you did! He's not here! Shoto called loudly, voice shaking and smoke pouring out from under what was left of his clothes. There's just me. No! Dobby shook his head. Say my name. No! Say it! The fire got stronger, went higher, and Shoto realized his clothes were burning now instead of just singeing at the edges. And Dobby stopped looking around, looking for Inji. Shoto knew that's what he was doing, and he looked Shoto in the eye. He went very still, eyes darting over Shoto's face, and then flickering to the towering flames billowing up from Shoto's hand and shoulder. And then he said, <laughs> You've grown up, haven't you? And for one second, Shoto almost crumbled, because he looked like he'd crawled his way out of his own grave. He looked as dead as Shoto knew he was, but for the first time, his voice. That was him. It really, truly was him. 
Come with me. Come with me. You don't have to do... You don't have to stay with him. We can help you. Dobby cackled suddenly, and then when he laughed, all the stitches in his cheeks pulled, so for one awful moment his mouth gaped and split, and Shoto could see his teeth through the gaps in the thread. <laughs> we don't need your help. And then, we're gonna burn it all down. No. Toya! There was a flash of green light, and then Dobby went down hard, hit the snow, and skidded Izuku's arms around his chest. You idiot! Kotsky snapped, literally blasting from Izuku's back. You could have been killed! Don't hurt him! Shoto snapped, sliding towards Izuku on the snow. Dobby just said, No. Voice deadpan, and then flared his fire all over, made Izuku gasp and flash away, and all three of them drew up short. What were you thinking? Kotsky spat in anger. Later, Kachan, Izuku said sharply, dragging the back of his hand over his mouth. Dobby climbed to his feet, and Shoto could hear his bones creaking. Take him back. Shoto said, he can tell us what they're doing. Take him back. He's a reverent princess, Kotsky ground out. We need to send him back. No, it's not him, Shoto, Izuku said quietly. Izuku and Kotsky both took a step forward like cats stalking prey, and Dobby turned on the spot looking at all three of them in turn. They moved away from Shoto, moved around Dobby until they had him surrounded. I told you that. It's not him. Do you remember? And Dobby turned. Kotsky, Izuku... He came to a stop in front of Shoto, and Shoto said, What's my name? Listen to your friends, Shoto. Dobby said quietly, that awful, grating lucidity returning to his voice again. Shoto felt the ice under his feet was cracking. Toya's not here anymore. Shoto only had a split second to decide. He saw Dobby moving, and he knew somehow that Shoto was not the target. A choice. Only a moment to make it. Dobby's fire flared into raging, and it was all around him, except for where he was looking at Shoto. And Shoto raised a wall of ice to block Kotsky from the blaze. And the exact second he did it, Green light flared, and Izuku was suddenly at his side, muttering, Good thinking. While Kotsky cursed and launched over towards the two of them. And when they drew up short beside him, Shoto realized no one wanted to engage Dobby. He was too dangerous to get close to. Izuku. Shoto muttered. Dobby grinned at him again. Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> what was I doing? Our fight, Shoto hissed. Izuku said sharply, Right. And then he disappeared and reappeared at Dobby's side, darting around him, never really getting in close enough to hit him, but distracting him so Shoto could call a wall of, There. There. Kotsky muttered, Got it. And then he was dashing in too, helping Izuku, and Shoto realized as the three of them fitted around each other like fireflies, that they could kill Dobby. Maybe. Shoto called up another wall. Three now, and they started to creep towards each other. Closed them all in, and Dobby was so focused on Izuku, on Katsuki, that he didn't realize the box they were backing him into. By the time he did realize, Katsuki was backing off, and now it was just Izuku. Shoto pulled the last wall up and was about to send it sliding into place, and Kotsky appeared at his side and said, Wait. What? Just make them stronger. But do it! Shoto slammed all the power he could into those three walls, made them strong and sturdy, and Dobby's back hit one of the opposite the opening. He looked around, shocked, and then all the blue fires blazed, and Shoto realized their mistake. Izuku was too close, and they'd created a focus for the fire. He was going to be incinerated. Izuku pulled back his fist and punched the air, and the loudest sound Shoto had ever heard in his life rocked the mountain. Snow blasted out from the place where Izuku was standing, and Kotsky hurled himself over Shoto's shoulders and yanked him down, twisting so their backs were to Izuku. But not before Shoto saw Dobby rocked by the sheer invisible force. He bounced around between the walls, all his fires popping out of existence, air and wind buffeting him like a leaf in an awful storm. The ice cracked, but held, and when Shoto popped his head out from under Kotsky's arm a moment later, ears ringing and feeling like the mountain was trembling, he watched Dobby slide down one of the walls and slump in a heap. He didn't move. There was no more fire. Izuku turned around and peered at both of them, looking barely more than a little winded. You okay? Fine, Kotsky answered, sticking a finger in his ear. Didn't think it'd be so fucking loud. What did you do? Shoto demanded. Is, is he? Izuku gave Shoto a grim look, and then bent and slung Dobby over his shoulder like he weighed no more than a kitten. <laughs> Doubt it. Revenants are kind of hard to kill. Go, Kotsky said. We'll catch up. Just get him restrained. Izuku nodded once and then blinked away and Shoto sagged into the snow, relief flooding his body and all his horror and adrenaline hitting him too. So he started to shake and he couldn't stop. You're so stupid, Kotsky hissed, 
but he still grabbed Shoto by the scruff of his neck and started pulling him up. You're lucky Mina saw all the fire, or he wouldn't have known to. I can take him. Shoto spat, jerking himself out of Kotsky's hold. I can talk to him. I can make him. I know I can. He knows me. He remembers. He's been burning whole towns to the ground, Shoto. He was ordered to. He... Kotsky grabbed Shoto by the shoulders. His hands were hotter than they should be. Still too warm from his magic, but the feel of them against his skin made Shoto realize his clothing was hanging from him in tatters, and it was so cold out. He's an abomination. Kotsky hissed quietly into the dark. <sighs> Shoto, he's not Toya. He never was Toya. Toya is dead. Shoto stared at him, hyper-aware of Kotsky's hands on his shoulders because it was easier to think of that heat against his skin than it was to consider all the rampant, confusing emotion charging in his chest. Kotsky's face fell and he squeezed his hands, and then he slung his cloak off his shoulders and over Shoto's. He was wearing a woolen tunic for once, and Shoto was shaking in the cold. The cloak was lined with fur, thicker than the one Kotsky had worn when they had met, and so warm and so... It smelled so good. Shoto sniffed a little, and Kotsky said, Come on, it's dangerous out here, and I don't want to leave Deku alone with him. Shoto shook his head and didn't know why he was doing it. Kotsky glared and rolled his eyes and put his hand on Shoto's back to steer him along. I can... magic. Shoto muttered. Kotsky looked cold now. His tunic was the kind Shoto wore under his overcoats. They were much warmer than they looked, but still only blocked out so much wind and snow. Kotsky sighed. Come on, princess. Shoto stuck close to Kotsky. When they'd been walking for about ten minutes and Shoto could hear Kotsky's teeth chattering, he put up his left hand between Shoto Kotsky's shoulder blades. They were almost home by then, but Kotsky stopped shivering at least. Go eat. Kotsky commanded the second they were back inside, even as he was angling away for the dungeons. Shoto snorted in derisive laughter, but Kotsky turned around all at once and put his hands on Shoto's chest. Get the fuck upstairs, Shoto. No. Shoto started. I need to. Do what you want. Kotsky snapped, and then he whirled around and pointed to the two soldiers standing in front of the doors down the hall holding the cells. Shoto guessed Izuku had told them to stand there because he'd never noticed them there before. Don't let him pass you. You honestly think they can stop me? 
Shota said furiously, taking a step towards Kotsky and as Kotsky slipped by the sh- soldiers. Go ahead. Attack my guards, princess. Kotsky called without turning around. See how far that gets you. Shoto huffed furiously and took a step forward, and both guards moved to block the door. The one on the left looked legitimately terrified, but he was still standing there, blocking Shoto's path. Kotsky! He must have heard the awful pleading in Shoto's voice because he stopped halfway down the hall and turned his head. Don't. Yeah, yeah. And then he started walking again, and Shoto realized he was still wearing Kotsky's cloak. He went back upstairs and changed his clothes and brushed his hair and ate a few bites of food, and none of it helped. It took all his willpower not to force his way past the guards, but he knew Kotsky was right. He knew he needed to calm down, to look at this rationally, but he couldn't. He just kept thinking, that's Toya, it's him, it's really him. He was pacing the long halls near Kotsky's office when he heard a door open and slam again, and he darted back around the corner and down the hall towards the sound. Can't do that and you know it. What the fuck else are we supposed to do? Kotsky demanded. Shoto drew up short. He's dangerous. He's so fucking dangerous. And he's in my fucking house, Izuku. Fuck. I don't know, Izuku replied. But you can't. I mean, he'll never forgive you. You think I don't know that? Kotsky hissed. Fucking bullshit. If I have to choose between... Between his feelings or saving Outland lives, he's restrained for now, Izuku pointed out. Shoto's heart was racing and his stomach felt like it was full of lead. He leaned against the wall outside the door and didn't knock. And how long will that last? He's a revenant. He's dangerous. I know, Kachan. I'm not the one you need to convince. You think he'll fucking see that? Yes, Izuku said quietly. He's. he's strong, Kachan. F- fucking shit! Shoto jumped when something, several somethings, went crashing across the room. This is bullshit! This is fucked up! This is so fucking fucked! You know this fucking cunt bastard father made him watch the first time, and now we have to... I know. What the shit, Deku? I know. Izuku hissed, and Kotsky suddenly went quiet. Izuku's voice was coming... from the same place he was now. They were standing close to one another, and Shoto's heart lurched. Izuku said quietly, You wanted to be king. Fuck you.
No, I mean, you knew. You knew sometimes you'd have to do things you didn't want. You know you'd have impossible decisions to make. But this... Kotsky hissed, and his voice sounded muffled like his face was in his hands. That thing is his brother. You wouldn't be here if you couldn't do this, Izuku said. Kotsky. There was a long silence then. Long and tight, and every awful creeping shadow suddenly pressed in on Shoto, and he didn't know which was worse. Thinking of Dobby, or thinking of, of Izuku, and how he was probably with Kotsky right now. When Shoto had... No, Dobby was certainly worse, but he wasn't as if Shoto could take shelter in the other thing. No matter where he turned, there was nothing but shadows. <sighs> we have to destroy it, Izuku said finally. I know. Kotsky answered, voice dead. You tell him. He likes you. Izuku laughed bitterly. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Not since. <clears throat> Izuku paused and cleared his throat again. <clears> throat> he, uh, he hasn't talked to me in a month. Since what? Kotsky said suspiciously. Uh, he... I had a nightmare. I I think it was about... Of course it was. Kotsky mumbled. Anyway, I... Tried to make him feel better, but I wasn't much help. What did you do? Kotsky demanded, sounding a little amused. I, I think that's his business, Kachan. Izuku said a little imperiously, and Shoto was horribly relieved when Kotsky just mumbled a few curses and didn't press the matter further. <sighs> what do you know about revenants? Kotsky said with a sigh. Shoto slid down the wall, found he simply couldn't hold himself up anymore. A revenant? Not much. Bullshit. You know everything. I, Chaco has some books I've read, but they're never very descriptive, mostly just defining what they are, reanimated corpses, possessed of a corrupted greater soul. Fuck is a greater soul? Uh, like, like the soul of a person, or a dragon, or something with free will and self-awareness. They're nearly impossible to bind, so that means, that makes things that they're bound to very strong. So it really is him then. It's not just something pretending to be. I think it must be, Izuku mumbled, 
Shoto says it knew his name. He is pretty fucking distinctive. This could just be some big ass fucked up trick. Lucky fucking guess, maybe? It's not. Kotsky and Izuku went very, very quiet and Shoto didn't move. Izuku opened the door and looked down at him. He remembers my father. Shoto said, You gotta stop eavesdropping, princess. Kotsky said with an exasperated sigh. Shoto stared at the floor between his knees. Get in here. Zuku shut the door behind him. Before you showed up, he... We talked. About what? Izuku said gently. Shoto sat down in one of the chairs by Kotsky's desk and didn't realize he'd tilted a few rolled scrolls out of it until he was already sitting. It looked like Kotsky had swiped his arm across his desk, thrown everything across the room. I wanted to hear him say my name. And his name. And he did. You heard him say. I heard him say your name after I did, Izuku said. Shoto stared at him. But he knew. He knew Toya, too. He said it. He said Toya. Shoto paused. He had said Toya's name after Shoto had called him Toya. But. My father. He was looking for my father, he said. He said he knew what he did. He said that before he died. He said it. Shoto. Shoto looked around. Izuku kneeled on the ground in front of him, took his hands, and Kotsky just stared, looking grim. But also, also like he approved of whatever Azuku was getting ready to say. Can you think of anything Dobby has said that only Toya would know? What? Like, a lot of people would have heard what Toya said before he died. He knew me. You're not hard to spot, Kotsky said. He knew my father. Someone could have told him about Angie. I... Shoto swallowed hard, ears ringing. I... I need to talk to him. And he expected both of them to tell him no. To tell him he couldn't. Of course he couldn't. But Kotsky said... I'd like to be there. Shoto lifted his head. Not. I just want to make sure he's not fucking with you, princess. Koski said a little grudgingly. It's. What was he even doing out there? He. He said he had a dream about me. Shoto admitted. 
Katsuki and Izuku exchanged glances. Can you do something? May was saying in exasperation when Shoto and Katsuki came through the dungeon door. It surprised Shoto how lit it was. It was just as warm and inviting as the rest of the castle, except the room they were keeping Dobby had bars instead of a door. I'd set you on fire if I could take these fucking coughs off me. Dobby snapped. Shoto drew up short, heart doing somersaults through his ribcage. He'd seen Toya in cuffs like that before. They restricted magic, kept a man from calling his up. Even with them on, Dobby had little blue fires the size of candle flames burning in his upturned palms. Chills erupted across Shoto's shoulders. He was strong, stronger than he had been before. May, Kotsky said and jerked his chin towards the door. May gave a crestfallen look, but without arguing, a pad of, and a pad of parchment in her hand and scribbling notes as she walked. He can't get out of there, Shoto asked. Shouldn't be able to, no, Koski answered. We got the cuffs and made dosed him while he was out just to keep him safe. One of Mina's concoctions, supposed to keep him calm and keep him from being able to cast much. Shoto nodded, and then he took a step forward, walked right up to the bars of the cage, even though Kotsky made a little motion like he wanted to hold Shoto back. I want to know what happened to you, Shoto said firmly. Dobby gave him a flat, bored look, fire burning too brightly in his eyes. So like Inji, and yet so not. Fell asleep. Woke up here. I mean, before that. I want to know what happened after, after you died. I'm not dead. You died. Fuck you. How'd you get here? I walked. No, I... From where? Koski interjected sharply. Dobby didn't acknowledge him at all. I know you, Dobby said. Shoto stiffened. But his voice was steady. You used to be my brother. Ah, uh, that explains. Ghosts in the shadows. The ghosts, Dobby said very seriously, red and white. You're a shadow. Shoto. Kotsky said quietly, but Shoto jerked his head. What do you see? What kind of shadows? Dubby rolled his eyes and took a slow, deep breath. Thoughtful. Mina's potion must have been working.
because he seemed less erratic, less agitated than before. Two more like you, and another all broke up, all cracked. Why'd you let him do that? Do what? Shoto said in exasperation. What did he do? I told you! Dobby snapped, candles in his hands flickering. He made the cracks and won't let them mend. I tried to fix it. Shoto's head was starting to throb and Kotsky said quietly, This is all nonsense, princess. He ain't right. You're wearing his body, Shoto said, surprised by how low, how dead his own voice was coming out. How do I know? That's not the only part of him that's left. Dobby shook his head. Nah, you don't. You're not listening. I'm trying. You're not making sense. Dobby threw his head back against the brick wall so hard the crack made Shoto's stomach lurch. You can't fix everything with a flower and a wish. You have to listen. You have to open your fucking eyes. And when Shoto didn't move, didn't blink, didn't breathe, Koski put his hand out. Princess? What kind of flower? Dobby's eyes met his, and Shoto watched a slow, creeping grin crawl over his face. He lifted his hands, changed clinking, and blew across his palm like he was blowing a kiss. And a little lick of flame went fluttering away from him like a butterfly. In the split second before it burned out, Shoto saw it, a pert blue rosebud. Dobby giggled, voice too high, and said, <laughs> I know what he did, fucking rat bastard. Tell me, Shoto pleaded, tell me what he did. Please, you have to, Toya. Dobby's brows curled together and he looked around, looked at the walls on either side of him and said, Who the fuck is Toya? And then, This is bullshit. I want Kurogiri. He said his name sharply, barked it into the air, and Kotsky and Shoto exchanged puzzled glances before they looked back into the cell and a tear opened up in the air. For one disbelieving moment, Kotsky and Shoto both just stared, and then a very curt voice said, There you are, Lord Dobby. Lord Shigaraki has been in a rage. What have you? Are you in a cell? <clears throat> Son of a bitch! Kotsky bellowed, and he suddenly slid across the room, screaming for the keys to the cell. 
they keep asking me shit I don't know. Dobby complained. The tear in the air grew bigger, and Shoto watched a man appear there. Oh, dear. You can't have him! Shota heard himself growl, sending ice spiking through the bars to hold Dobby in place. You can't take him back! At the end of the hall, Kotsky was wrenching the keys from the hand of the guard who had opened the door and was sprinting back. Time to go, my lord, Kurogiri said. And the tear in the air grew, wrapped around Dobby, and all of the ice Shoto had stuck him there with, and then it just closed, disappeared, and there was nothing left but an empty cell. Kotsuki screamed wordlessly and hurled the keys against the opposite wall. Izuku came flashing into the room too late. Everything was too late. And Kotsky bellowed, Next time I see him, I'm fucking killing him. You hear me, Happy? I lay eyes on that crazy fucker again. He's gonna be fucking kindling. Kotsky, Izuku hissed. Kotsky drew up short, chest heaving and hissed. <sighs> Fuck. Fucking. Fuck! And Shoto thought of that village. All those people just gone. Burnt up. Consumed by blue rage. And Dobby couldn't even maintain a single conversation for more than a few seconds at a time. How? Shoto demanded. You can't burn him. His magic is too strong for that. Shoto, Izuku said gently, you don't have to. Watch me, Kotsky spat. Better me than you, Shoto told him. You can't make an explosion hotter than his fire. You... No, Kotsky said sharply, and then he looked Shoto in the eye and took a long, slow breath. Izuku frowned, and Kotsky didn't look at him. Let us handle that, Shoto, Kotsky said. You don't have to. And then he, he swallowed, eyes going to a spot on Shoto's chest when he said, You've already been through enough. Shoto opened his mouth to argue, but he was just so tired, and it washed over him like a chill wind. He lifted his eyes and found Izuku looking at him, and Shoto looked away reflexively. Shoto hadn't been able to meet his eyes in weeks before all this, and now Dobby was gone and it seemed easier not to try. Kotsky mumbled, Come on and put his hand on Shoto's shoulder. Shoto didn't shrug him away. Everything felt foggy until he let Koski usher him into a room and he realized it was his own. He looked around like he would be different somehow, but it wasn't. Just his room, exactly the way he'd left it. He picked Koski's cloak up off the table and he had draped it over and held it out to him. 
Kotsky accepted it with a smile with a smile that might have been amused and just set it back down again. Shoto. Shoto lifted his eyes and realized he was just standing. Just standing still with no idea what to do or where to go or what to say or what to think. Come on. Sit down. Kotsky mumbled, pulling Shoto's chair out from his desk. I'm fine. Shoto replied automatically. Kotsky snorted. I fucking know that. Shoto narrowed his eyes suspiciously, but still sat down in the chair. I'm sorry, I should have just... If you hadn't... You think you're the reason he ain't dead right now? Get over yourself, princess. I needed to question him. May wanted to run some tests. We would have lost him just the same if you'd never been here. The shiver started in Shoto's stomach and spread out, and he tried to raise the temperature around him to compensate, but only made himself sweat. It took a long time to realize it was relief, like he'd felt out there in the snow. He'd been expecting Kotsky to explode, to call him a fool, a child, and an idiot. And he wasn't. Shoto knew he wasn't going to now. That wasn't the problem. It was like his body hadn't caught up with that knowledge, like it expected to fight, and now it wasn't. And it had to let go of all this nervous energy somehow. He curled forward, put his head in his hands just to take a single private breath, and Kotsky said, Hey. Shoto lifted his eyes and saw Kotsky stepping forward, his eyes on Shoto's hunched shoulders, and Shoto looked around, trying to pinpoint what he'd seen. Are you hurt? Kotsky said a little sharply. Shoto shook his head. Mm. I'm fine. Kotsky shook his right back. What's that? He motioned to Shoto's shoulder, and Shoto tried to crane his neck back to see. Fabric dragged a little against his skin like it was sticking, and Shoto ripped his tunic off before Kotsky could stop him. Wait, don't! Shoto gasped at the shock of it and managed to hunch his shoulder enough to see red skin and something shiny on his back. The tunic had been stuck to it, and Shoto had torn it away. Is that a burn? Kotsky muttered, coming forward and getting behind Shoto's chair. I... Ah... Uh, eh... Could be worse... Kosky told him after looking for a few seconds. <clears throat> you didn't notice? Shoto shook his head and then went over to the mirror to try and see his injury. It was on his right shoulder, maybe the size of both his hands side by side. Now that he knew it was there, it felt horrible. But as far as burns went, and especially burns from Dobby's fire, it could have been worse. <clears throat> he must have burned away the ice or something, Shoto mumbled. 
Where's the oil Mina gave you? What? Shoto barked too sharply, head whipping around to face Kotsky. His whole face cracked into a viciously amused grin, and he cackled at Shoto's shock before he said, <laughs> Shit's got more than one application. Mina's just a pervert. What kind of application? Shoto demanded suspiciously, even as he cracked open the case Mina had given him, which he kept in a cabinet under the vanity. It's basically a liquid healing salve, Kotsky said with a shrug. It just happens to be good for more than just burns. He added with a grin that made Shoto's sh heart shudder a little. It was goading and lecherous and... Maybe just a little bit. Sort of... Dashing. Maybe. Shoto ducked his head because he caught sight of his own peak cheeks in the mirror and pulled out the bottle of oil. But before he could uncork yeah, un it, Kotsky plucked it out of his hands and jerked his chin at the seat Shoto had vacated. And Shoto sat without thinking. He didn't even think of how stupid it was until Kotsky stepped behind him again, shaking a little oil out of the bottle and then settling it on the nearest flat surface. His hands were rough and warm and so gentle. Shoto shivered. The touch stalled for a moment, and Shoto held himself very still, face buried in his hands until Kotsky pressed his palms fully against Shoto's back. No more feather-light touches. Shoto thought that was better until he felt the oil heat and tingle a bit under Kotsky's skin, and it sunk down into Shoto's very bones, made him want to sag over his own knees and not sit back up again. Kotsky wordlessly brushed Shoto's hair off his back, moved it over Shoto's shoulder where it wouldn't get stuck in the oil. He did it with his wrists, hands all slick, so his nails scraped over Shoto's neck when he did it. Too light, too. Shoto shivered again and caught his breath, and Kotsky very deliberately finished sweeping the oil over his burn. It did help. Shoto wasn't sure it was worth it, if Kotsky's hands were worth tolerating. <laughs> Look at us, Kotsky said lightly. Hmm? Shoto answered because he couldn't bear to speak. Couple of months ago, I couldn't even shake your hand without you thinking I was about to punch you in the mouth. And now, Shoto w answered wordlessly, what was happening to him. Kotsky was right. Tonight alone, Shoto had let Kotsky touch him how many times? Had touched him back? Put his hand on Kotsky's back to keep him warm? Shoto said, Shut up, Kotsky. Hmm, <laughs> there's my princess. Kotsky's hands stilled at the exact moment that Shoto's stomach seemed to plummet. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> yeah, fetch it up. Ah, uh, yeah.
Shoto managed. Kotsky rubbed his hands together and stepped back, sat on Shoto's bed. He looked around for a few minutes, face a little red and splotchy, and then he said, We'll find him. We'll stop him. He was trying to tell me something. Shoto said quietly, Something about my mother. It was fucking gibberish, Haffy. Kotsky groaned, throwing his head back on, throwing himself back on the bed. He was trying to get in your head. No. He was talking about her. I know he was. How do you know? How do you know someone didn't just, oh no, tell him about your family and now he's just the flower. He made a flower. So? So, Shoto said slowly like the words were being dragged out of him. I, I did that for my mother when I was young, when she was upset. I made her flowers out of ice and it always calmed her down. Kotsky sat back up on the bed and just stared at him. There's something there, he muttered. There's something there. There's something he wants me to know. Kotsky was quiet, thoughtful, watching him, but Shota only barely noticed. He put his hands in his his face in his hands again, tried to think of everything Dobby had said, tried to weed out what mattered and what was just a distraction. He felt like he was trying to peer through an iced-over window, like everything was distorted and he only saw vague shapes and outlines. Something about his mother. Something his father had done. Done to her? What could Inji possibly have done to Ray? He was cold and cruel and emotionless, but he'd also never hurt Ray. He hadn't laid a hand on her. She lived alone, but she lived in all the luxury he could lavish upon her. It didn't make sense. He was going after Inji, you know. Shoto said suddenly, the realization appearing fully formed in Shoto's head. That's what all this is about. How do you know? He's terrified of Inji. Out in the forest, my... I lost my temper. Shoto said a little grudgingly. Kotsky snorted. <laughs> Surprise, the fucker was still standing by the time we got there. He saw my fire, and he thought... He started looking for him. He was scared. And then he said he wanted to burn it all down. He just... He kept circling back. Back to my father. Back to... To... Shoto shook his head, confusion sufficing his voice when he said... Cracks in the ice. That's bullshit, Shoto. Nonsense. No. Shoto answered, shaking his head. No, I don't think so. My mother does that, sometimes, on bad days, when she's... When she's not herself. 
She talks in these strange metaphors. Metaphors. Her thoughts get twisted, Shoto explained, and it takes us time to figure out what she means. She might, she might want a book, something she read when she was a girl. So she talks about the color of the cover or where she was when she read it. Kotsky watched him from the bed, mute and serious, fierce fire in his red eyes, so intense Shoto couldn't quite look at him directly. She knows what she wants, but everything gets jumbled like broken pottery. Kotsky's eyes got sharp and he narrowed them, lips parted with a breath of question that he hesitated on. What? She... She's got magic too, doesn't she? Yes. Ice. Like me. Ice. Shoto sat up a little straighter all at once. Like... Fuck. What? Kotsky said a little startled. Shoto slumped back in his chair, all the energy he had left just draining out of him. <sighs> Cracks in the ice. Yeah? <sighs> There's nothing there, Shoto whispered. He was just trying to tell me. What? What was he trying to tell you? He blames Inji for for her, Shoto murmured, and then he added, Who doesn't? This was nothing new. This was nothing profound or surprising. Shoto had spent many sleepless nights wondering if Ray's illness would have ever appeared, or if it would have been if it would have been so bad if Inji wasn't there. If it was just her children and her servants speaking to her gently, treating her with kindness instead of disdain. With love. Toyo wasn't the only one who blamed Inji for his ills that may or may not have been outside his realm of control. That was it. All that struggle. All that. Every piece of emotional baggage Shoto had just yanked out in the open like that for this for it's his fault she cries of course it was the hopelessness of it crashed over him swept him up and he put his face back in his hands again a lump in his throat and his whole chest so tight he almost couldn't inhale but there was nothing to do was there Nothing to say. They needed to stop Dobby and his master. But they were no closer to doing that than they had been this morning. And Shoto had talked to him. Shoto had talked to... To Toya. Shoto had talked to Toya. He wanted to scream. He wanted to break every delicate thing in this room. And he wanted to stomp on all the pieces.
He wanted to start a fight, say something cruel, do anything to stop himself from thinking of the way Dobby's cheeks had pulled apart when he laughed, and how even with all those terrifying burns and stitches and the death deadly parlor in his skin, he still looked like Toya. Someone had pulled Toya out of the grave, stitched him back together again, shoved his soul back in his body, all broken, all twisted, just like his skin was, and then unleashed him upon the world to wreak some of the havoc it had wreaked upon him. This was about revenge. It always had been. Shoto, Izuku, Kotsky, all those people in those villages, they were all just collateral damage. It was almost worse that way. Almost worse if all Shoto was was an afterthought. A footnote in a family drama so twisted, it stood a very real chance of tearing the world apart. A very strong, very ungentle hand shoved Shoto back in the chair, and he jerked his head up. Kotsky glared down at him and said, Fuck are you crying about, princess? I, I am, am not... Shoto cut himself off. He was. Shit. You gonna start feeling sorry for yourself now? Kotsky demanded. What good does that do? Shoto shook his head, furiously dragged the back of his hand over his cheeks and said, Fuck you. Fuck you. Why are you even here? Go bother someone else. Despite his searing need to say something cruel... This was the best he could do. It's fucked up, Kotsky said, glaring down at him. It's the most fucked up thing I can even think of. A lot of people would go fucking crazy if something like this happened to them. But you're not one of them, are you? Shoto shook his head in mute protest. He wasn't sure. <sighs> crazy runs in my family, you know. He said after a beat. I'm gonna stop this Tomura shithead. You don't gotta fucking worry about that. I'm gonna put him in the fucking ground and make sure he stays there. And Shoto believed him. That was maybe the craziest part. Shoto believed him. So cut that shit out. Kotsky demanded. Shoto shook his head and said, I'm fine, yeah, I know, fuck, asshole. Shoto stood up when he said it, went to his vanity to get a cloth to wipe his face with. Kotsky threw himself across Shoto's bed again and kissed the air. Truly, he was an absolute bastard. So... You got gifts for me or what? Shoto drew up short and stared at him. You said you had gifts, motherfucker. We're married and shit, aren't we? Uh, yes, of course. Shoto said a little dazed. 
He shook his head, bemused, and then tugged a loose sleep tunic on before he went to his trunk to retrieve the things he was supposed to have given Koski on their wedding night. All of it was contained in a small, intricately carved wooden trunk that Shoto lifted and sit on the bed between them. Kotsky's lips turned down in appreciation when he examined the trunk himself. This is impressive. Shoto flipped it open and brought out the first gift. A red and blue silk robe with silver and gold embroidery around every edge and seam. Kotsky ran his hands over the fine fabric and then said, Hmm, not very practical. It's not supposed to be practical, Shoto answered, rolling his eyes. He still felt a bit off-center, still felt his heart fluttering and his throat tighten up, so he doubted the expression was as scathing as he intended it to be. It probably just looked wobbly. It's supposed to be luxurious. Furs, luxurious. Kotsky deadpanned. <laughs> Lay your bare ass on a fucking rabbit fur quilt and tell me that's not the most luxurious shit you've ever felt. How many rabbits must a man skin for a whole quilt, my lord? At least four. Four. I said at least four. Depends on how big you want the quilt. Shoto forced himself to swallow a smile. This might help, he said instead, and presented Koski with a blade and a black sheath. Koski took it in obviously eager interest and studied the hilt first. It was highly decorative, made of ivory and metal, but Shoto had held it and knew it was a comfortable grip. It felt what it fit well in Kotsky's hand, too, and he sucked in a little breath when he pulled the first few inches from the sheath and saw the carvings in the metal. This is an outland blade, he said in shock. Right, Shoto admitted. It was retrieved from a battlefield after the Battle of Breakridge. Kotsky blinked at him. What, a hundred years ago? Shoto nodded. We don't know who it belonged to, he admitted, but we thought. Shoto paused. I thought it was time it came back into barbarian hands. Koski looked down at him for a long beat, and then he looked down and drew the blade fully from its sheath. Definitely belong to a chief, he said. Someone strong, too. Here, look at these carvings. See all the men with the horns on their heads? Shoto peered down at the curved blade. It was made of a dull silver metal, but the carvings had been treated somehow, so they shone in gold relief. There were crude people carved into it, in simple shapes, a group of them bowing before a single man who was standing. Those will be chiefs who swore to him. Who he beat. Like you? Shoto said in shock. 
Kotsky gave him a crooked grin. <laughs> yeah. Looks like this man claimed, Oh, fuck. Nine tribes before you Flatlanders took him out? How do you know he... Because if he were alive, he'd have burned down your whole fucking country looking for this. And then he added a little quietly, You did this? Shoto felt his belly squirm. It was very strange. There had been no sentiment in the gift. I suggested you might appreciate a weapon, given what we knew of you. My father allowed me to select something from the armory that I thought... Kotsky stared at Shoto, an odd expression on his face, and looked down at the blade again. It was just a guess, Shoto said quickly. Something political. Political, Kotsky repeated. It's well made, Shoto said lamely. Yeah, it is. Blade like this, a man can trust. He looked Shoto in the eye when he said it. Shoto swallowed. Uh... Um, there's more, so. Koski blinked at him, silk robe draped across his lap and blade in his hand, and Shoto thought ridiculously of Izuku. Of the last time Shoto had really seen him, before tonight anyway, and how foolish he'd been. How childish and stupid. Koski's lips quirked up in that crooked smile, and it was predatory in that way that Kotsky always was. But for once, there was no real danger in it. For once. Or maybe there hadn't been in a long time and Shoto just hadn't noticed. Gold, Shoto said hastily, pushing the heavy bag into Kotsky's hands. And a few loose gemstones. Kotsky, predictably, set it aside. Next was a canvas painting of the mountain range seen from the Todoroki Palace. Shoto thought it, too, would go unnoticed, but Kotsky frowned down at it and said, This is... um... this is nice. Shoto nodded. He hadn't noticed any paintings in Kotsky's castle, really. There were tapestries, furs, and animal skins, and sometimes scenes on huge wooden slabs. But not a canvas like this, and not something so gentle and serene. The mountains looked deceptively kind from this vantage. It, uh... Shoto blushed very fiercely and felt it when he said, Fuyumi did it. Your sister? Shoto said, or Kotsky said, looking up in shock. Shoto nodded. She's, she's got some talent. <laughs> I'd say she's got more than some, Kotsky said. And then he shocked Shoto when he said, Kiri will love this, you know. Uh, he will? <laughs> It'll remind him of flying, Kotsky said with a crooked smile again.
It made Shoto feel very foolishly. It made him look at his lips. Finally, there were a few bolts of very fine silk fabric that Kotsky could do with what he wished. And last, What's this? Kotsky asked, reaching into the trunk and pulling out a, the last square of fabric left. And Shoto suddenly found he couldn't speak. Shoto unfolded the square and looked down at it, turning it in his hands to see the embroidery. It was a silk handkerchief, covered at the edges with careful but unskilled needlepoint images of little blue and orange twists of flame in a repeating pattern. Kotsky politely studied it, and then looked up at Shoto, clearly waiting for an explanation. And then he narrowed his eyes. <clears throat> Fuck's wrong with you? Uh, what? Nothing, Shoto said defensively. Koski turned his head a little and then held up the handkerchief. What is this? He said in a wheedling tone, telling Shoto he'd pieced together that it was certainly more than just a hanky. It's tradition, Shoto said carefully, where I come from. To exchange these with one another, it's, it's very foolish. He said quickly, A handkerchief. Uh, yes. Am I supposed to give you a handkerchief? Koski said amused. Yes. Shoto half stammered with, um, embroidery. Koski rolled his eyes and looked down at the silk square, and then he looked up at Shoto, and then back down again. And then his whole face split into a wide, goading grin, and he said, Did you embroider this, princess? I will set you on fire, Kotsky. That's... that's so sweet. Get out of my room, you absolute bastard. No. <laughs> no, it's... it's lovely. Really, truly, such skill. I had to do it, all right? Fuyumi and Natsuo both wouldn't shut up about it. Why do you even know how to embroider? Koski said, snickering. It's one of those ridiculous courtly skills all noble-born children are taught, Shoto explained a little grudgingly. And I have no talent for it, and I find it horribly dull. But unfortunately, my people are rather fond of their foolish traditions. Just put it back. No. What do you mean, no? Shoto demanded, temper spiking a little. He was not in the mood to be taunted. No, I like it, Koski said imperiously. Are these supposed to be little fires? You like it? Shoto said skeptically. Yeah, Koski said brightly, turning the handkerchief over in his hands. I can use it to wipe my ass. 
Fuck you, you heathen. Shoto snapped, reaching over to grab his terrible handkerchief out of Kotsky's hands. Except Kotsky wrenched his arm back and put his other hand on Shoto's collarbone and laughed at him when Shoto jerked forward again. And Kotsky snickered and shoved him back, pressing him against the wall, and Shoto's mind emptied of all conscious thought. Kotsky had one hand spread against Shoto's chest and the other outstretched behind him, keeping the handkerchief out of reach. And he was grinning, just the way he'd been since he... This had started, but he was, he was so close now. Shoto could smell him, warm and spicy and just a little sweet. The bath oils smelled different on him than they did on Shoto, or in the baths themselves, and it, Shoto almost blinked against it, against the urge to lean in and inhale. That would be a truly crazed thing to do. He couldn't do that. Kotsky bit his lip. Shoto saw him do it, felt his eyes go directly to those lips and teeth with that arrogant, goading smile. And then he thought of Izuku again and the steam of the baths and the way he turned his cheek. Shoto cleared his throat and pushed Kotsky's hand off of him and said, <clears throat> uh, do what you want. Kotsky dropped his hand, smile fading just a little bit, and then he set the handkerchief on top of the outland blade on his lap. So uptight, princess, he drawled. I'll keep your pretty needlepoint safe. You have no idea how un emotionally unstable I am right now, do you? Shoto deadpanned. Kotsky laughed at him full-throated and said, <laughs> Maybe you should do some embroidery. Calm your nerves. Shoto just put his forehead in his hands and took a very slow breath. <coughs> if I kill you, do I get to become king of the Outlands instead? You could try, Kotsky snorted, leaning back against the wall. Think you can take Kiri? Yes. And Mina? Yes. And Dinky? Yes. And Deku? Shoto drew up short and then said, I'm not sure you can take Izuku. Kotsky grinned at him, lopsided and vicious, all at once, and said, <laughs> Shows what you know. Something about the way he said it, <clears throat> some sly, barely there insinuation, made Shoto's whole body heat, made his toes curl in his boots, and he looked away very sharply because he'd been looking into Kotsky's eyes when he'd said it, and they were so... Shoto swallowed, carefully, holding himself still and wondering how he'd ever found Kotsky's eyes even the slightest bit unnerving. They were rich, uniquely striking, and Shoto suddenly thought of all the things he'd ever seen that were that color. 
the red wood door leading into Kotsky's bedroom. A unique fox fur Kotsky wore sometimes that had been stippled red and black so it looked rich and lustrous altogether. The color Fiumi had used for the base of the mountain in her painting. Kotsky sniffed, coarse and uncouth, and when Shoto lifted his eyes, Kotsky was shrugging into the silk robe. It looked very strange on him, a little ridiculous even, and Shoto snickered. What? Silk doesn't suit you, Shoto goaded a little. Fuck you mean. I look good in everything, pretty boy. You look like... Like what Shoto had thought a king was before he met Gotsky. Like someone who ordered other men to fight for him while he luxuriated on embroidered cushions. Like someone who'd lie and double-talk to get his way. Like someone who cared more for lavishness than the lives of people. Like a flatlander. Koski gave him a strange look and then pinched the robe between his fingers, peering down at the glistening blue on the lapel. Maybe you should keep it then. I prefer my furs, Shoto told him without thinking. Koski grinned at him. Shoto's stomach bubbled a little more, and he said, Silk is a poor solution to these barbaric outland winters. It'll get worse, you know, Kotsky said. <laughs> this is barely a taste. Shoto looked at Kotsky's hands, fisting roughly in the silk as he spoke, thought of sparks and explosions and flying and falling, and he said, I know. That was the end of chapter 10. Next up is chapter 11. And I will hopefully be doing that one tomorrow. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed.